0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 690 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On today's show, we are going to learn all about pulse electromagnetic therapy. And then we have para rider Mia Rodier-Davallo, and the trainer tip will be with international show jumping rider Filippo Pignati.
1: This is Reese Goffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
0: And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Hi, guys. How are you?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I think we're doing pretty good. Doing
1: pretty good. <laughs> we are doing good. We've had some interesting, um, uh, as always, sometimes Skype does not like to work with us. Technical so issues, a-
0: <laughs> Skype and cell phones, and
1: yeah, you know,
0: it, it can, <laughs> it, be, it can be kind of challenging.
1: And you know we just we just laugh and have a good time at the end of the day. We're so happy to be here with you guys and um how's your week been, Phil? You had a horse show, didn't you?
0: Yeah, it's it's been a a little bit uh I mean, I have to teach outside a lot, so that there's up and down with oh. the weather. That's we always kind of start the show with a discussion on the weather because <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty important in our in our job and that's we're kind of dealing with the weather on a daily basis. Horse show was good. I mean, we had you know, when we when we shipped the horses in, we were 20 something degrees. And then very quickly it it turned around and, you know, overnight with the frost. And I, this has just been mm. everywhere. Mm. We've got we've got rain. We've <laughs> got sun. We've got rainbows. We've got cold, <laughs> warm. I, I, you know, like what what I was telling um, Paul, what we were talking is just like when when I leave the house in the morning, I just take everything that I think While I would like lots of. Yeah. Lots of layers, yeah. Uh, different jackets, you know, and just travel around with with a real uh, chunk of different things. I think I might need gloves, yeah. hats. Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I
1: know. I, I have the same, and and you know, I, I uh, Travis, my husband's always like, "We, you have a lot of coats," and I was like, "In some days, I wear all of them."
2: Like, I, need them. Yeah, I, need, I need, them need them
1: all. I need yeah. them every single one. And, and we were saying the same. It, it's just that tricky time of year. And, uh, you know, I know everyone is getting ready to come to the finals in Kentucky. Do not complain to me about the weather in the finals. Cause I know I live it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it can, it's all over the board right now. And, um, we have not had a lot of rain. We're actually really, really need rain. And last night I was actually South of my farm about 45 minutes. So and, and just, oh, I was soaking wet. I drove home soaking wet and I literally get off the highway at my exit. It's dry. Nothing. We got no rain.
0: (laughs) And so I think you're living in kind of the whole bubble.
1: Yeah, of, and, of, it, and of, it's...
0: Of lack of rain.
1: Lack of rain. And we, you know, the summer we had tons of rain, but it's actually a, really a beautiful fall. Like, I can't remember the colors being quite as beautiful as they are now. Um, I was thinking so about that, that really on my think. drive
0: to drive to mm-hmm. the barn this morning. It was like, you know, you kind of look look around and you're just like, you know, did, did the colors get turned up? Or, you know, did yeah. I just start listening, looking at them a little bit more? Or, you know? <laughs>
1: I don't know. Uh, they've been beautiful here. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really gorgeous. And it's a lot of brown, like it's mostly more green normally in the, in the fall here. Uh, it's really brown and, and the paddocks are in terrible shape, but, uh, it's actually quite beautiful. So, uh, that's been fun, but we're the same. And, and, you know, I, I'm lucky at the moment we're not horse showing this month. So, um, you know, I've kind of let the horses bodies just do what they do. Um, and we're blanketing a little bit, but it's, it's really hard to blanket because, You know, the horses go out about four and, you know, it's a way different temperature than 2 a.m., you know? And so we just kind of leave. That's my stance on that because it's just impossible. You just can't, can't do it, so...
0: Yeah, you'd be rushing um, rushing around and changing blankets every two hours, I think you know
1: yeah, and we still have horses at night turnout because it's still it's yeah. still they're still nice, you know, so myself uh I personally just leave them right now it will change uh you know big Mike when he goes to finals he'll he'll have to get clipped here in a couple weeks uh and blanketed and and that kind of thing, but we kind of leave them as long as we can they're all a little bit fuzzy right now and and it's fine I just I just, they're beautiful. Their coats are that beautiful color and, uh, we just kind of leave them alone. So that's my stance. And, uh, yeah, we've been working hard. I've, you know, really trying to get big Mike ready. And, um, we have actually a horse show here this weekend for the dressage horses and the retired racehorse project is going on right now. So I was at the horse park this morning, uh, coaching, uh, which I'm so lucky that I get to coach at all these events. Like they're 10 minutes from my house. So, uh, I was at the horse park this morning. Uh, and then we have a dressage show this weekend, uh, along with the retired racehorse project. And then next week's a really big event. So it's still a pretty busy two weeks here. And next week I'm excited on and right before the show, actually on Thursday, uh, I'm going to scribe, which I, I always do every year at this show. It's, it's a Thursday. I block into my schedule you know, obviously volunteers are so important for these horse shows. Cause you know, I don't know where they are, how they are at your house, Phil, but if we don't have volunteers, the horse shows are not going to go on. Our, the, the horse show uh, staff is getting quite older, you know? So, um, I really yeah, do people like to have to, people nice. have
0: to take up the, the slack and, you know, yeah. of, you know, people kind of slowing down and, and trying to get out of, out of their, their responsibilities and roles that they've probably held. Like I, I was, uh, part of the organizing crew for our local dressage show. And I did 15 years or something like that. And, and um, I know people who have been doing it a lot longer than that. And so, yeah, I mean, volunteer with your local club organization, you know, that that will help keep the horse, the the, the sports, equine sports healthy and and supported. And yeah, because otherwise, if there's nobody running these things, they, they won't they won't go anymore. They won't happen. Yeah. You know, from, this is all about grassroots support, and uh, I think yeah. that's a good reminder.
1: And so- I love scribing. I, scribing to me is, is my favorite job because you, you are learning. I mean, you can't always look up and see the test, but you're hearing the judges and you're seeing uh, what they're seeing a little bit, and you can see why turnout's so important like so if you if you do get a chance to scribe, it's my favorite job. <laughs> um
0: no, do you have to do it on a on an iPad now?
1: Um I don't know. <laughs> I do not I don't think Phil this particular event. It may though, because it's a it's an FEI. I, I'm not sure. I'll let you know next week. Yeah, yeah, uh, let us know, uh, what's that's, what's that's, happening. Uh,
0: yeah, the technology aspect of it is uh is kind of can make it a little bit more challenging.
1: I think right now it's it's still paper to to where 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 it is in the horse park i i don't i doubt that it's it's not but you never know well i'll let you know next week and i'll give you some tips that i learned from scribing because it, you know uh, i only do it once a year so um uh, but i I, but I always really like it and enjoy it so yeah so i'm really excited about that looking forward to it and um yeah, I'll let you know. So that's kind of what we have going on here. Nothing, nothing too exciting right now. It's we're, uh, people are really busy getting ready for the shows, and uh, so we're still quite busy and and, and push with the horses. But uh, it's it's good. So nice, pretty nice weather, etc. So uh, we hope you're having a great fall. It's my I don't know, Phil. It's my favorite season. I love it. I love fall. <laughs> you uh, probably hate it.
0: Yeah, I hate it. I hate. Do you? Because it's yeah. getting cold. Yeah.
1: And then grumpy Phil season comes out, everybody. That's right. Say. Yeah. If you're new to the show, grumpy Phil will, will come out about December and not go come back until March. <laughs> He's better.
0: Uh, yeah. It, you're it,
1: usually not so grumpy on the show, but man, when we call you, you're like grumpy Phil.
0: Oh, well, it's got it's got winter complaints, right?
1: Oh, I, 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 hey, I, I, I don't have them because I relocate.
0: <laughs> you're, yeah, I, I, yeah. You just run away.
1: I run away and I, I endless summer. So I, am with you. Anybody that works outside in the cold, it's really, really, really hard. So I, I hear you. So, uh, grumpy Phil, everybody get ready. It's coming, <laughs> but I love it. Phil, like the horses, I just, I, they all are, are fresh and hopefully a good way. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's cooler. Get a sweater out. I like it. I, if, if football, you like football. I just think it's great. I love sweater weather. It's my favorite. I live by an orchard. There's pumpkins. Okay, <laughs> everybody, Phil's not going with me. So I hope no. you guys love fall. You can, you can send me an email on how much fall is awesome because I think it's awesome. <laughs> but we have a great show. We'll transition. We've got a really good show today uh, and we're going to have a quick commercial break and we'll get right to it.
3: Each week, you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable one small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products.
1: Well, tonight we are so excited to have Elaine Polly. She is the MagnaWave president. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rhys. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled, and, and just so everybody knows up front, I am I, I, a loyal, uh, I have a MagnaWave certificate, uh, or I'm a certified practitioner. I did the 25-hour course there for education, and I have a MagnaWave, and I love it. I use it. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of MagnaWave and the technology. So I wanted everybody to know that up front, and I'm thrilled, and, and I'm thrilled to have you, and I uh, wanted you to just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so
2: much for that wonderful introduction. Um, I'm glad that you're happy with your machine. First of all, that's always good to hear. But um, okay, so Lane I am Elaine Poley. I am 38 years old. I live in Louisville. Because I feel like I'm getting on a dating site here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you not know, dressage show. We don't, we
0: don't show. need your Tinder profile. Yeah, we just need your. Okay,
2: uh, I'm sorry. Anyways, your experience um, with yeah
0: treating animals and and how that all came about. Yeah,
2: of course, of course, yeah. All right. Well, okay. So I'm a mother of three and I actually got into doing, working with PMF uh, through my father. Um, He actually really was the first PMF practitioner in the United States. Um, He got a machine that was meant for humans and went out, uh, put it in a um, suitcase and rolled it around the backside of uh, different racetracks and started, it it really became a career of him doing treatments. Um, I'm actually a television producer by trade. I actually started doing that. I went to school for that. Um, I actually did produce uh, parts of the Kentucky Derby for years, and then um, my dad came to me and said, you know, I think I'm going to start designing and selling these machines, and you know, this is really growing, and I need some help, and so I jumped ship, quit my job, and we went in together. Um, His dream was to retire and travel around the United States with my mother, which he's done. He's semi-retired for five years. I say semi-retired because he still likes to call me um, constantly and tell me what to do and what not to do, but he's excellent. And he's still a big part of the company, but, you know, we were able to kind of give ourselves uh, what we wanted while helping him.
1: I love it. Well, first of all, tell us what is
3: PEMF?
2: Okay. So PEMF is Pulse Electromagnetic Frequency. And you'll hear me refer to it as MagnaWave. That is what we call it. Um, Obviously, it's a lot easier for me to say it's like MagnaWaving than PEMFing, right? So like we call it um, MagnaWave, but it's basically a pulse of electromagnetic field. And uh, we're electrical beings. Um, We also have a magnetic field. And one of the things I like to refer to is if the magnetic field of the earth were to just drop away right now, we would all drop dead. Um, The magnetic field of the earth and and the way that our cells communicate is electromagnetic fields. So a pulse electromagnetic field is basically a way that we've created um, those, you know, fields that the earth creates and our body creates and made them into a therapeutic um device. So we've taken those same pulses and similar pulses to our body and the earth, and we put them into a machine that actually our body recognizes those pulse of electromagnetic fields and can use them. And even animals, horses especially, they love it, large animals, small animals, they have the same things. They're cellular beings, they're they're like they have electromagnetic fields. That's how their cells communicate. And so we're taking a pulse of an electromagnetic field and putting it into the body for therapy.
1: So Elaine, we've had such great success with our horses. Can you talk a little bit about how the treatment works with horses and, and the machines? Tell us a little bit about the basic one-on-one on that one.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're putting the uh, magnetic energy from the po- PMF into the body, it, it allows to the body to improve healing. And when I say that, if your cells are functioning correctly, your body is going to function correctly. And what what we see is a lot of times where there's injury and where there's swelling and there's inflammation or just overall issues such as, I mean, anything, it could be any, an infection. What's happening there is there's cellular damage. There's, there's issues going on in the body that the body's struggling to heal. So what we do is we put a pulse of electromagnetic field into the body. We begin, we use the magna wave to do that. And what that does is it gives the electromagnetic energy to those cells. Now, am I going to sit here and say that magna wave is, like the cure-all and all-be-all for horses. Absolutely not. But what is, is the horse's own bodies. So what we find is that when we give the tools to the cells through putting the electromagnetic energy in, the horse is able to heal itself in a way that it wouldn't have been able to before. So a lot of the things that we see are, you know, broken bones, um, any type of muscle injury, infections. I mean, even, um, I'm trying to think of very specific ones, but where there are serious issues where even we they couldn't get a wound to heal, for example. We'll go and treat the animal and not only does it heal, but it heals faster than it ever would has, you know, have they had any healing before. So it's really not the machine as much as we're giving the electromagnetic energy to the cells that they need to heal. And a lot of times there's a lot of outside factors that can make it that those horses aren't able to heal and we're just able to give them the power to do so. If that if that makes sense. So it really isn't one indication, I guess is what I'm saying. So many people are like Name the five things that it helps with. And I want to say, well, I don't, I would have to, uh, trouble naming five things that it that it doesn't help with. Like there is so many things that we've just been amazed to see that when the body has the right tools, the horses perform better. They are, you know, they heal faster. It's amazing.
0: So, uh, you know, I'm kind of new to all this stuff. Does this stimulate circulation? You know, because it's not just, a, I, I don't think it's just a case of, of putting electricity into, into the horse, you know, can you maybe. Right.
2: No, it's not electricity. Right. Right. So it's a magnetic field. So electricity, you think of like a tin unit, right? You think of something that, that is, is um, electrical where with magnetic field, what we're doing is it's, it's not as intensive as electricity. So what actually is happening, the magnetic fields help to increase electrolytes and ions in the body. I mean, I could go down very, very far into how that those natural influences on electrical changes on a cellular level can help cellular metabolism. It can help the body function better. But in terms of increasing, um, like increasing blood flow, it's not going to increase it, but it will improve it. So a lot of times people are looking for, is this going to, you know, increase the blood flow? Like if, so, if for example, and I'm going to use human if in a human if there's a blood clot you don't want to increase blood flow right but in in any animals like if you can improve blood flow so making the blood you know flow easier which means it functions better the body functions better that's what we're doing we aren't making it more we're making it
1: optimal yeah that makes sense and so tell us you know there's a wide range of machines out there right so you know is one better than the other or you know if you have a practitioner come in like how can you gauge that? Because I think that's kind of confusing, right? Oh, it's extremely confusing for everybody. And I think one of the things that's very amazing with
2: PMF and and especially with the Wave machines is that you don't have to really believe anything that I'm saying on this uh, to you all. I just, you know, if you've not tried PMF on your horse, I challenge you to try it because the way that they respond is truly the best part. Like watching a horse, even horses, I've had people tell me this is. I mean, this horse is mean. It's going to bite you. He's horrible, whatever. And I've gotten in there and I've eased my way in. And at the end of the session, they're laying on, like this horse is laying their head on me. And they're the, a lot of times the owners, the trainers are like, that's amazing. Now, I'm not going to say that every time, but majority of the time they love it. So reality is you want to find the machine that meets your needs. So all of the machines are going to do that, right? They're all going to make a horse feel good. What our machines really range from is time. Um, and your goals. So like the smaller machines that we have in our line, um, you're going to have to do longer treatment. So instead of um, a 30-minute treatment, you may do 45 to even an hour uh, because you can't turn it up as high, but you will still get a result from that horse where they are relaxing, they are releasing, they are enjoying the session. Uh, But when it comes to the larger machines, you know, if you're running a business, time is money. So if you're running a business and you're at a horse show and you want to treat 12 horses that day, You're going to need a machine that can do that, right? So we have things like the Julian Duo, which is probably our largest, most popular machine for businesses because it has two machines in one case. Runs about $19,000. You treat the legs and the body at the exact same time. So you're cutting a 30-minute session down to 15, um, 15 to 20 minutes. You could do the whole body and the legs. All while you're in there and you're able to really get through and give the same attention that you would with a smaller machine. So if you're just treating your own animals, you can use one of the smaller machines. Um, And then as your business grows, we do have a trade-in program. So people will either buy this for themselves and then upgrade as they do more horses or buy it for a business and get the right one that meets their needs for what their goals are in their business.
1: Yeah. And I think that was what was cool about, you know, working with MagnaWave because uh, I was able to find the machine. I have a smaller machine that I love because it's easy for us to take to competitions. It's easy. You know, we can pull it out. We use it every day on, and and pretty much every horse in the barn gets a level of treatment depending on on what they're doing. I've had really good success with back problems and tummy problems. Um, that has been, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to, we have it set up that the, the, the machine's right by where we clean tack. <laughs> so, you know it works really well you know so we were able to to give the horses what they need but um so we've been really really thankful for the machine and the horses really once they get used to it they're really really pleased about it and they stand very still uh which is nice and they lick and they chew and they nap and um that's been pretty fun to watch them over time learn exactly what's going on and then they'll kind of position themselves like oh put it over here Mm -hmm. (laughs) which has been really really cool and I've been been very thankful and I think the other thing that I was very pleased with MagnaWave as a company was there was a lot of education. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I felt like if I own this machine, I should at least do the certification. So I know exactly what I'm doing. And and I still don't know. And I have great people to call when I have questions. But can you talk a little bit about the education? Because I think that's really important. Well,
2: yeah, because education is the key. I mean, like you can't, um, you can't, we can't just give someone a machine and they put it on the animal and they don't understand what they're doing. They're not going to get optimal results, right? And that was something my dad was very passionate about. He would actually travel and do all the education. And it was, and so one of the things that I I really wanted to embody is give that same amount of personal service and that personal education to everyone that buys a machine from us. Because the reality is, if you can get optimal results, you are going to use this machine and love this machine for longer. Um, So what we've done is we've created not just an equine training, we've expanded it. We have small animals, we have livestock, we have personal use. So we really run the gamut on how to use this machine from, you know, the anatomy, where to place it. We also have a very great app, which I'm very proud of, which it has every indication. So if you're like wondering, how would I treat colic, right? You could go in there after you're certified, you get the app. It's one time fee of 25 bucks. And you're able to search colic and see what our recommendation is on how to use the machine. So we never want you to be like second guessing on what to do and how to use it. But once you get into a rhythm, like you said, you figure it out and the horses figure it out. They'll move their bodies, push up against you on where they want you to move the coil. And you kind of get your own rhythm. You get that confidence, but gaining that confidence for using that machine is key. And the only way we can do that is by educating people to not be afraid to use it, but also know how to use it and when to use it. And I would say, um, you know, you said tummy issues earlier. I think the most amazing stories I hear about colic when there's a, you know, a, a horse that has a colic issue and, you know, maybe this horse is, they're going to put the horse down or, or not going to make it. You know, the vet says, whatever, do whatever you want. This is nothing you can help. And within like 45 minutes or sometimes two sessions over a day, they're up. Right. And that's amazing. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. No, it's been very, very helpful. And um, it's just, it's just a good tool to have around. Um, and like you said, the app's great. It's super easy to use because as we all know, I'm not very technology oriented <laughs> and it, it is very mm-hmm. helpful. And there's also a really, really good Facebook group that you're, you can be in. Right. Yeah. And and that's been really helpful because people throw up a question and then usually within a couple minutes, there's somebody that will answer back, which is great
2: yeah, and one of the things we do with our training is that we require people to to continue it, do continuing education every year. We don't just sell you a machine and say, "Hey, good luck, take this you know four hour YouTube video and good luck with it, right? Like I right. really want to provide that service where people get um the education. And then what I'm learning, what we're learning as PMF is evolving because my family, we're not completely, but like, just manually, we are in the human mind. We have research studies. We're um working on maybe possibly starting a study at the Mayo Clinic. So we have so many things going on. But all of that research translates into information that could benefit you and even your animal as you move forward with the machine. So we want to make sure that we stay on the cusp of training you and keeping you up to date on what's going on. No, it's
1: fantastic. So how can people find more information about MagnaWave and PEMF online?
2: Okay, so we have a website, obviously. If you don't, where are you? The same age? But anyway, <laughs> so our website is MagnaWave, Um you know, MagnaWave, M-A-G-N-A-W-A-V-E, and then P-E-M-F dot com. So MagnaWave, P-E-M-F dot com. There's a ton of information on there. Um, if you are just interested in PMF, you want to see research articles, you want to, you know, interact with people that aren't, you know, I'm very brand-specific, machine-specific, obviously, but there's also a group. It's called the Association of P-E-M-F Professionals. Um, That website is PEMFprofessionals.com. That's an excellent resource for you to go to and see unbranded information. If you want to just learn about PMF and not hear it, you know, don't want to take my word for it, there is great information there. There's great people there um, that you can actually learn a lot of
1: information for all about PMF and, you know, across the board. Fantastic. Well, Elaine, thank you so much. It's a great company. I've been so thrilled with my my machine and uh, we're so glad we had you on tonight.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great being with you.
1: Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network. Well, tonight it is a real honor to have the 2022 National Para Dressage Champion on, Mia Rodier-Devello. Hi, Mia. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. How did I do with your name? You, I give you an a plus. That was amazing. Oh. Thank you. Oh, Oh, I love it. I love it. Well,
1: I know Phil's laughing because I never get an A plus on names. So I'm very, I'm very (laughs) excited. So (laughs) Mia, you and I met very quickly um, this summer. You are a student of Patty Mayer, who's also a great friend of mine and a friend of uh, Phil's and the friend of the show. And uh, we had Patty's horse Cato here in Kentucky. He flew here, and you and your husband picked him up and took him to try on. So I met you. Yeah. It was like a, literally a two-minute conversation, but it was so nice to uh, to follow you. <laughs> well, I, I you know hopefully I had a hay didn't have hay in my hair. You never know. But uh, we're <laughs> we're so thankful that you were able to to come. So
4: Mia, tell us a little
1: bit about yourself uh, for the start of our interview.
4: Yeah. Well. So, I mean, I don't know what there is to say about me. I'm busier than than I could ever imagine. And um, I'm from California and I like to represent the West Coast in dressage and para-dressage because I know that the East Coast is where all, all the wonderful things happen. And um, I'm a grade two para-dressage rider and I'm in contention for um, Paris 2024. And if I am to succeed in that goal, I would be the first ever person of color to represent USA Dressage or Para Dressage in that event. And my best friend slash horse is named Pudding, and we're we're trying to make the dream come true. <laughs> I love it. Well, tell us about Pudding. Yeah. So Pudding, <laughs> um, that's his bond name, of course. He it's sort of like a very he's a very dichotomous kind of guy. He is like this big, great, majestic creature. So I think it's kind of ironic that his, his bar name is Pudding. I call him Tiny. Um, (laughs) He, he's, I mean, the first time I met him, it was like nothing I've ever felt in my entire life. We, you know, I rode him and then we got into the car and it was so quiet. And my husband was like, um, are you okay? You're never quiet. (laughs) And I was like, I like, I started crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's so special. I've never met another horse like him. And um, the rest is history. Now we've done the selection trials for the World Championships, and we won the national championships, and we're we're nominated for the Against All Odds Award for SEI. So he's, you know, I owe him, a, like, I'm indebted to him for life. For I'm so grateful for him.
0: So, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into riding and you know when that started, and then when you started to be uh, you know have the competitive bug,
4: yeah, absolutely. So, um, my first memory of my entire life was on the back of a horse. I'm sure that all horse people can kind of relate to that. I feel like it's sort of like you know you can have generational trauma. I feel like you can also have generational memories almost. Um so I come from, a long line of hundreds or thousands of years of horse people. Um, my dad, he's, he's from Iran, and he ran a business where he used horses for work, like for carriages, taxis, that sort of thing. And so I think I was born to be a writer. You know, you, you got to catch the bug at some point in your life. Maybe I caught it before I was born. Um, my first memory was on the back of a horse. And I was two years old, so like literally the first thing I remember of my whole life. And I remember when it was time to dismount, they were like, okay, time to get off. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so that in that moment, I knew like, this is what I want my life to be. This is what I want my life to look like. This, like, this is what I need. So essentially for for the decades since then, I sort of chased this dream and like followed this goal and this year for the first time in my entire life I have horses of my own I have three horses three young horses and it kind of feels like after so much time of of longing and working and all the blood sweat and tears put into it it feels like I'm I don't know whole almost I don't know it's kind of cliche but I feel like that's totally how I feel (laughs) yeah no that's phenomenal
1: that that's phenomenal that you have more horses coming up so tell us you know you went to lamplight you won the national championship I mean this was amazing so (laughs) so
4: what happens next yeah so um it seems like once you they say change happens slowly and then all at once and I feel like that's totally true so our goals of course are for the 2024 Paris Paralympics And leading up to that, our goal is to compete all over the country, ideally, as well as Canada and Mexico. Um, We don't have a lot of CPEDIs or para-international competitions in the states. And then, of course, to really ramp it up, we would love the experience of learning and competing in Europe. So we hope to raise money to do that as well and we uh, are hoping to qualify for a CPDI hosted by the Qatar government in Doha, Qatar and keep on rolling with the punches. Sometimes you have no idea what comes next but, but we go with the flow and we're, we're happy and excited for whatever comes next.
0: I was going to ask you about the uh, FEI award that uh, that you're up for and uh, you know what is that all about?
4: Yeah thank you Thing. So I'm a finalist. I was nominated and now I'm a finalist for the SEI Against All Odds Award. And it is an award given to um, people who inspire change or who are underdogs or people who have, have gone through something to get where they are now. And um, I'm the only U.S. writer in the category. And of course, I'm honored to be a finalist along with three other people in my category. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable and surreal and wonderful. And if I win, then I get to accept an award in, in Cape Town, South Africa, which is so cool. I've never been to Cape Town, South Africa. That would be the coolest thing ever. And I'm proud to represent underdogs everywhere. I feel like... You know, I've always felt different in this sport a little bit, and I've always had to sort of DIY my way to where I am now, um, along with so many other people who have. And it feels good to, to have the support of fellow underdogs and, and, and it takes a village to get you to where you are. And there's like a million different people who have gotten me even to the point of being nominated, let alone being a finalist for the FBI Against All Odds award. The voting ends on October 16th. And people can go, if they so choose, to fei.org slash awards and vote for one person in each category. And I'm so thankful for FEI putting a spotlight on para-dressage overall, USA para-dressage. I feel like we're really getting a lot more visibility now, which is so important. Like representation is important, visibility is important, and it's something that that is finally happening. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. And, and Mia, you're also doing a fundraiser at Patty's, right? Tell us about that. Yes.
4: Um, so Patty Mayer, my coach, who is, I mean, I have her to thank for essentially everything. She's, you know, the reason I have my horses. She is the reason why I have any idea what I'm doing. She <laughs> is hosting a fundraiser for me um, to raise funds to achieve my goals of competing in Europe and training costs and everything that I would need to, to make the end goal of Paris 2024. I mean, as we all know, the sport is so expensive and prohibitively expensive for so many. And um, regardless of that, being disabled, um, just being a disabled human is so much more expensive than being an able-bodied human. So when you mix that with dressage, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um,
4: you definitely need all the help you can get, or at least I do we have an amazing community of people it's a real grassroots effort of people coming together donating you know anything they can $25 $100 more um, less whatever it is it's, it's a massive group of people coming together to make this dream come true and it just it's amazing what patty has done for me so mia tell us if
1: if we can't make it to the fundraiser um how do we how do we find you online how can we
4: help you if we were able Yes. Thank you for asking. So if people want to donate, but they can't make it to the actual event, that's totally okay. There's two methods in which people can donate. And the first way is that people can make a donation to my GoFundMe, or if they so choose, they can make a 501c3 tax deductible donation to me through Southern California Equestrian Sport. It's an organization that makes it so that Equestrian athletes in Southern california can can have an easier way for people to donate to them and have it be tax deductible, which has made a world in change of change in in making donations.
1: So Mia, for our listeners that want to help you,
4: how can they find you online? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My handle is at M like mouse i a. R-O-D-like-dog, I-E-R-D-like-dog, A-W-A-L-L-O.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mia.
4: Yeah, thank you.
1: Well, tonight I am so excited to have my friend, my neighbor, and international show jumper, Filippo Pignati, on the show. Welcome, Filippo. Good evening. Well, truly, you and I have become friends, and we are working together on a number of horses, and um, it's been so fun because um, you are an international rider from Italy, and you jump the, the international Grand Prix at WEF and all the big jumps. But we have uh, have a partnership now, which has been so fun with the horses in learning what you need as a show jumper and as a rider uh, and, and what dressage does for you. So, Filippo, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and your riding history.
5: My name is uh, Filippo Pignatti. I come from Italy. I am 41. I moved in this country 10 years ago. I have a sponsor, which I have had for the past seven years. We started with a small number of horses, young horses, five and six years old. And uh, slowly in these years, these horses have have moved up and they had success jumping young horses championship. And now they are starting to jump to get their feet wet in, in the international scene here in america
1: yeah and you jump big jumps when i look next that? door <laughs> the jumps are very big everybody i'm just telling you but uh so filippo tell it's us a little bit true.
2: Of,
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs> i think they're very big but i think a cavaletti big so it's all relative but um filippo tell us a little bit you come from italy but you also come from a horse family right
5: yes i do in fact uh, My mom has a pony riding school in Italy. Um, She's uh, mostly doing mounted games right now, but back in the days when she started, she had a jumping riding uh, school. I always grew up uh, around Northridge. I was five when my mom brought me to ride for the first time, and I think I never got... Of a course, ever since. I moved to Belgium when I was in my 30s. I went to work for Nelson Pessoa. Uh, and after a few months, I got an offer to come work here in America for another Brazilian rider, Paulo Santana. So I jumped on the, on the wagon and I, and I came here. And I never left.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell us when you know when did you really start learning sort of the scale of dressage training and and how important dressage was also in the show jumping.
5: Well, I always had the feeling that what what most riders around me and uh, myself were uh, were lacking was the basics how to how to train horses to do simple commands simple movements correctly um i always thought that jumping in italy was a little bit more improvised a little bit more of a of a trick system where where the training uh, horses wasn't the main focus and i've always been um interested in uh, learning more like how to properly train a horse and watching the very famous short jumpers they all have a good dressage base and they all talk about it same as the same as the most famous trainers like they they focus their attention on flat work and on work over uh, poles and cavalletti is more than jumping big courses, so um, this is how it all started to get together in my head. Like, how do I get better training the horses and learning the basic flat work? And lastly I met Reed, which is our uh, our neighbor here in uh, in uh, Georgetown. We started working. At together. Last year, I was having problems with my main horse, which now he's is, is, is nine years old. He's just moving up in a mirror uh, 50 Grand Prix. And mm. he was always a little dull and cold at my legs. And Reese just helped me find the key to unlock more of his uh, potential. And that's how it
0: all I think it, t- it takes time to develop, you know, all of the skills that you uh, that you need or that you would like to have. So, Reese, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what specific tools that uh, that the show jumpers would like to have to make their show jumping better.
1: Yeah. So I, I think when, when Filippo and I, you know, chatted, we were chatting over the fence and and actually I think Filippo, you came over one day cause it was raining really hard and uh, I have an indoor and you guys have a beautiful outdoor, outdoor riding field and outdoor track, but it's all outside. So I think you came over one day and we just started talking about sort of training horses, right. And, and, and what was important in training a horse and really, you know, Filippo has such beautiful athletes and um, really talented horses, but, you know, really stopping turning, th- the horses have to turn so fast because, and, and, and Filippo, you could tell them more, but, you know, sometimes a couple seconds will knock them from, you know, first place to se- to third place or, or so, so the ability of being fast and turning and accurate is so important in, in the show jumping. So the horses have to be really on the eights. They don't necessarily, we were talking about that today, like they don't necessarily have to be on the bit like we want them on the bit because they have to be able to stretch their noses out, which I thought was interesting today. We changed the frame a little bit, but, you know, being able to have the horses that much on the eight, I think was, was really important, right? Filippo. So, so we work a lot on that right. That the horses are in front of the aides, um, that they are able to turn on the line that he needs that, for example, uh, that they don't fall one direction or the other, because that's, you know, if they're falling in, in the dressage ring (laughs) and he's got to go at speed, uh, you know, he's going galloping and they fall like it's a much bigger problem. So I think those are some of the things that we work on specifically. Um, and just, just reaction, you know, if, if, just the basic stop, go, move sideways. Uh, but that gets that much harder as as the courses get get bigger. So, Filippo, do you have anything to add about, you know, what you need specifically as the show jumper and, and what we're, we've been working on?
5: Sure. I think uh, dressage it's uh, key to develop a show jumper. It's not only about steering faster or, like, having a better control it's also for me about having the horse um, more uh, performing as an athlete where uh, dressage uh, um, helps the horse um, develop his body as an athlete better
0: yeah i think you know there's there are probably so many things i mean i don't ride international show jumpers or anything but you can see from the ground i've you know watched a lot of show jumping competitions the the horses and riders that you know are more of a partnership and then the ones that don't have that sort of balance and training that the horses want to work for the rider i think that might be a an important part at least for me well you know kind of seeing you know what does a successful show jumping partnership how, how does that get made it for sure is in fact uh It's always about a tenth of a
5: of a second difference in between winning or being second or uh, or uh, third. So having that special bond where your horse, where you think to turn uh, tighter and move forward, and your horse follows you. That's where I think dressage is really helping jumper uh, horses.
1: So Filippo, I think it's becoming more and more popular for show jumpers to use dressage trainers. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's for for anybody, right? Not just international riders, but um there's so many show jumpers that can can use the help of dressage trainers.
5: Absolutely. In fact, when I when I speak to friends uh, in Italy or in uh, Europe and I tell them that I am working with a professional dressage trainer to help me better understand how to fix problems uh, they seem more and more interested um, about it and i think this is gonna slowly um get into everyone's mind where again flat work is the key for for success even in the jumper ring
0: i think you know um i've i've experienced teaching some eventers but not really show jumpers um, I guess because they, they kind of force the eventers to do a dressage test before they are allowed out on, on course or, or something like that. But I'm sure the more success that brings a rider will be, you know, will increase in the popularity of, of working with a dressage trainer. I think, Reese, this question is for you. Maybe working with a show jumper, you don't have to be quite so strict. You can be a little bit more forgiving. That, that, that could probably be helpful for a trainer.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, right? Like I've I've been lucky enough um and and working with an international rider as well. Like Filippo and I can have a dialogue of what he needs and what's important to him so that we were we I did talk about that in the beginning. Like today I was riding one of his horses and we were working on the frame and for me as a dressage rider, I would have wanted him a little bit um rounder in his frame, but Filippo, you can talk about that. Like you, you were saying, no, he needs to be a little bit longer in the frame. And and that's, that's good for you. Right. So there are some differences for sure.
5: Yes. In fact, uh, I understood Reese's point, like the horse was stretching his, his, uh, his top line, not to the point where the horse would have been low, but still he wasn't high with his pole, but I explained her that from my point of view, that's not a bad training because I feel that when a horse jumps a big oxer, for example, or a tall vertical coming from a long gallop, the horse needs to be able to stretch across his body and even open his nose at the top of the of the jump. In order to being able to release the back,
1: I think that's been that's been the good part, right? So I I don't know that, right? So that's it, it, I I did very little jumping when I was a kid, um, but that is helpful because that is how we want to train the horses. Like at the end of the day, my job is to help Filippo do his job better. So I think that that dialogue is important, and I mean that's when you're working together. You know, Phil, you also work with other trainers. It's a little bit different when you are working with a international rider, you know, our, again, it's more of a team approach. So I think that that's important. And and it's the same with the horses, you know, how can we help them the most do their job efficiently? So I think dressage, you know, as we know means training. And, and so at the end of the day, my job is to help train the horses to be more efficient and better at their ultimate job. Um, so I think that's the cool part about dressage and training uh other disciplines, like Phil, you mentioned with the It's the same concept right is is it's constantly trying to make the horses better for the show jumping and the and also the cross country so um, you know, I find it fun and fascinating uh it's not so that the circle you know the circles have to be round and g- correct geometry in the sense of the horses can't be falling to the inside leg, for example. Um, so that's something that we work on is like, just make sure you know where you're going so that the horses are are in in the correct alignment. So, um, and I, I, Filippo, you can talk about it too, but I think that's been the fun part about, from my perspective as a dressage coach is figuring out how I can help him the most. So I may have to change my approach a little bit um, but I think that's that's kind of the fun part of training horses, right? At the end of the day,
5: I agree. It's all about bonding and and uh, becoming your horse's best friend and uh, and a partner, especially when you are competing. No matter what the discipline.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're speaking about a, a a collaboration of efforts to, you know, get get to the desired result, which is. Um, you know, for any competitive person, it's it's about being at the top of the leaderboard. and and you know, if you can collaborate and to help that happen, it, it's all it's all positive, right? And uh, and you know, I kind of like these little, you know these projects where you know I did get uh, sent a jumper that needed to learn dressage flying changes, you know, like he knew flying changes. But then, you know, I could just you know, I kind of explain it to, the the owner and 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 her rider and, and whatever and, and then just this this is if that is your goal like a dressage change I can I can teach that to the horse and I can explain it to you and then hopefully we can you know we can have the result of, of a balanced flying change and and that's gonna that's gonna help but you can't just um you know you're not starting from square one is what I'm trying to say is that like you you don't have to learn canner walk canner and get you know to get it perfect uh you're not you know you you need correct basics but you can sort of skip along that program a little bit with an experienced rider which is of of great of great benefit and uh and a good collaboration can happen
1: no and, and i think that's exactly right at the end of the day like especially with international horses and i think we all learn that is um you, you really have to be open to, to working with all kinds of, of, of professionals, right? I, I like to think of it like Michael Phelps. He has all kinds of coaches to teach him to swim. And it's the same thing. Like I'm just a, a, in, in any dressage rider that works with show jumpers, right? We're just a little piece of the puzzle to make the horses that much more rideable for what Filippo needs them to do. So um I do think it's it's fun and and it's been it's been a fun collaboration we 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 have fun working horses together um and and it's been an interesting collaboration um so I think for show jumpers right um that's that's where um I think it's moving that way isn't it Filippo that a lot more show jumpers absolutely. work with dressage
5: people yeah absolutely so.
1: Yeah. Well, Filippo, if our listeners want to follow along and see your progress in the horses, how can they find you?
5: I am on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Even though I'm not I'm not big into social uh, media. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's okay. Well, you can see a little bit maybe of uh, the fall here in Kentucky. It's been really beautiful. So, Filippo, thank you so much for for coming. We have to tell everyone, uh Filippo's phone would not work, so he's actually sitting in my living room <laughs> right now. So,
5: <laughs> you were a thank good you sport. for having me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a good sport. We don't have apparently great cell more phone here. service. Yeah. We don't have good cell phone service in uh in our neighborhood apparently. So, uh thanks for coming and and working with us. It was fun. Thank you. Well, as always, everybody, feel free to send us any emails or Facebook shout outs. We love them. We check them. And if you have anything you want us to cover, we're happy to do that.
0: You can Actually, find recently, us- Yeah, sorry. 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 I know I just uh, ruined your flow, but um, you did <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did remember an email that I got and that um, uh, if if everybody remembers last week, we were talking to a TD, which in Canada, we I call them stewards. And uh, and that TD sort of kind of mentioned that they are looking at the rules around bits and actually uh, changing the classification of the French link. And oh, so then yeah. then I took this little piece of knowledge and I said I, I don't know, but I know who who I can ask. And at the horse show, I went up to the steward. I said, you know, what's going on with this, you know, with the bits and the and the illegal. Not legal, um, of a French link because you know, as awesome. I was growing up, that was basically the bit that everybody, you know, uh, very accepted dressage bit. But yes. and what she said is that there's some, some engineering going on in in bit companies in which, they are, engineering the angles and and then uh, and, and things that cause what what you would look at as being a typical French link connection bit and, and sort of engineering them so they work differently more like a dock bristol which has a flat piece but doesn't doesn't lie flat across the tongue yes and so they've like they have a tough job because they've constantly maybe got to be on top of you know the newly designed bits that are coming out and whatever so just keep attention to the rules about what bits are legal and what bits are not legal, and and again, you can ask your coach. You can look at the pictures that are provided in the US. Annex Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's a great one.
0: So, uh, I, I mean, I don't have more information to tell you than that. But again, they're always kind of um, trying to stay on top of it, and and as a rider, you can stay on top of it, or uh, you can get to the show, show them your bit before you ride, but you know, before tacking up or whatever and say, I just wanted to double check to make sure that this is legal and that they will say, yep, yeah, nope. Or, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll confer with the, the rules. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and again, I, th- I love that because really the TD stewards uh, they are there to help. And I think so many people, Forget that concept and they think, oh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with the TV. They really are there to help you. So, uh, again, you're better off to go ask, can I use this bit? Is it legal? Because there are a lot of new bits coming out all the time. And sometimes they're pending and it's just good to check. So you don't get eliminated. It's tricky.
0: It's tricky. Yeah.
1: It is. It is. And with all the new companies, and again, you know, you see a new hot bit that comes out and you think, oh, I want to try that. Uh, it's always good to check and see if it's legal cuz cuz that sometimes it is not so right. i think that's really really good so awesome well that is great that's what we love to hear uh and again those tds are great susan moran she she also got uh somebody that reached out and uh she loved it and and again that's what we're all here for uh we're really all here as a community uh to to help and uh and that's how tds are they're they're really actually lovely people and they really really want to help so um, we
0: hope but, we. Can but but they them. have to be they have to be yeah. sticklers as far as you know. Of course.
1: Yeah, they are the rules at the way. end there's of the day. There's not
0: much way. leeway in the rules. I mean, you know. Right. So
1: they can just help us interpret them. So use them in 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 a nice way to to help you get what you need. And if you have questions or concerns, that's what they're there for. And they can always help you more pre prior to than after after stuff, then, then they're going to say, well, you should have read the rules or asked or whatever. So they can always help ahead of time. So absolutely. I hope that helps everybody. All right, Phil, can I, can I close her up for the day? Yeah.
0: Sorry. Sorry. I just, <laughs> the, the last, the last minute jump in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's coming December 1st. So that's coming down the pipe pretty soon. So, um, well, as always, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
0: I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com.
1: Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week.